Hello everyone and welcome back to Eating Salads. It's me again, Austin Crosby. I'm, you know, I don't know. Am I always tired? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm anemic, like the front lawn. But uh, I'm having a second pot of coffee, so we should be okay. Um, last night, Casey and I, we laid on the couch and we watched episodes one and two of Apple TV's Silo. Now, here's the thing. I would never, I would never ever um, subscribe to any Apple service. I think that is cringe. Um, and I don't know, I, I just think like Apple as a brand does not, it's very basic and normy. But that being said, they have, and Casey and I had a long talk about this, on our walk yesterday, which led us to eventually watching Silo, they hoovered up all of the film talent that made somewhat successful medium budget movies. And I'm totally speculating, this is just my intuition as someone who likes to pay attention to film and television. I will give a couple examples um, if I can think correctly about what they were. I gave them I gave them yesterday. Um, these would be maybe like the guys that used to make money for Paramount. The people who used to make money maybe for Lionsgate. MGM type people. Um, we are thinking, you know, remember that movie with Will Smith and his son where they're the last people on Earth? After Earth, I think it was what it was called. That comes to mind. The Hunger Games, that comes to mind. Um, I made some other examples about it yesterday. Honestly, we, we had rewatched the Underworld movies recently. Those come to mind. So it was crews that would make, you know... I don't know, like, not very memorable movies. And again, I, like, you just have to trust my intuition on this. Um, maybe some of them... I don't know. I don't think there was much overlap with HBO crews. I could be totally wrong, but it seems like um, what you see in this kind of environment are the producers, the like the line producers, the unit production managers, those kinds of people. They weirdly will... I mean, showrunners are, of course, a high-level example of this. They dictate the look and feel of these kinds of programs, the quality overall. And, uh, God, I'm really trying to think of like what... What production quality? I mean, it's at a point, you know, and this is where we're, this is where I'm going with this. When Netflix started, they did a similar thing. They, I always reference the Marco Polo. The first season of Marco Polo, eventually it became, you know, Stranger Things really took the torch and ran with it for a lot of people. I don't, I never liked Stranger Things really, but I can understand it was high quality. Um, let me think of other ones. I mean, you know, you, I, you can kind of figure what I'm talking about. Like Bad Robot. Bad Robot has a vibe as a production company. And that was, of course, like Fox Television. And then like the Star Trek movies. You know, you can see the resemblance. The show Fringe and uh, Lost, etc. Anyway, speaking of Lost, Apple, they have Silo. And... uh I won't be able to really say the names of these people, um, 
the one, the one I could almost, Rashida Jones is in it. And then a black guy that he's kind of, he's nice. You know, he's like the kind of black guy that would play, really you could cast him as a compassionate black guy. <laughs> that's how you would cast him. And that's what he is. He plays the sheriff of an underground silo nuclear fallout shelter type place. It is an entire epic, I think at least 150 stories down into the ground, a whole community underground. They, they start by showing you, you know, there's farming going on on one level. There's cows peeing and pooping, pigs peeing and pooping. And then a few levels down, they're all playing and they're having a whole city life with festivals and they're still using pen and paper. Um, interesting vibes, good production design. I do like seeing this kind of Dharma initiative. If you watched Lost, the design of the post-human world, it fascinates me. I think uh, as an amateur armchair aesthetic philosopher, I think that post-humanism is uh, my favorite aesthetic. But that being said, I don't know. There's little things missing in this show's production quality. Campiness, I guess. That's that thing. I mean, uh, really, it's the story very much matches The City of Ember. If you ever read those books or saw the movie back in the day, uh, it's the same vibe, right? Like, just picture that. It's the same vibe. And it also has that lady that my friend Ben, he said he would go straight for this lady. I don't disagree. She's a little stern for me. She's a little stern can't remember her name. She's in the new Mission Impossible movies coming up. Um, I can't remember what else. For whatever reason, I just blank on what everything she's been in. Um, she's like working in the mechanics deep down in the base. And there's like thought police and the R&B slash early rapper Common. Now actor. Remember, wasn't he in that movie Four Brothers? Remember that movie with Marky Mark and Common? At least. There was two other guys, too. Um, they were probably both cage fighters or something. Like, not real actors, just cage fighters. Maybe one of them was an actor. Maybe it was like Eminem or something crazy. I can't remember, but... I used to have that on DVD. Probably still do somewhere. Um, side tangent. It used to... I think a, an early lesson learned was the value... Of something depreciating used when you would go to a video rental store and they would sell the old video rentals and we I would buy those often sometimes they were the same price as renting a movie but you could buy it and they were just used extra rentals you know they would buy many 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 DVDs of a new movie for you kids out there and then they would rent them all out the first couple weeks, and then they would slowly start to sell off the ones as they made room for newer movies. And uh, yeah, I would buy weird, weird ones of those, like Alone in the Dark um, comes to mind, Four Brothers. How about, uh, what was that one called? Dark Water, maybe, is what it was called, where they, the woman moves into an apartment building with her young daughter. And the water of the apartment building is haunted because there's a dead girl in the water tower. That was a pretty scary movie. Um, I think I actually bought Dead Silence new. But it was 
It was like that. Did I already mention Alone in the Dark? Oh, those kinds of movies. You would buy those used DVDs, the uh, B-horror of our day back then. Anyway, Silo. Uh, yeah, it's fun and mysterious, and it's well-made. And uh, there's definitely stuff that you see that you're like, well, that's stupid. Like, I don't want to spoil anything. This, I'll talk about the pilot episode. Um, in this world, if you say you want to leave, they have a really cool way of putting it, but if you say you want to leave the silo, you have to leave the silo. That's their, that's their main law, the pact. So they have no history. All the history was erased by the, uh, silo fascists, the judicial branch, who I suspect, by the way, common, he's like the main guy you've seen hinted at the judicial branch. I suspect they get to leave the silo. I'm going to make that prediction. I I suspect they don't... They can leave. Um, What am I going to say? Yeah, if you say you want to leave, they kick you out. They have no history. They don't know why they're down there. It's it's like the city of Ember. So, that being said, the main main guy or whatever his name... he's He's the black sheriff... His wife, Rashida Jones, the first episode is this like heart-wrenching story about how they cannot have, they can't conceive a child. And culturally, conceiving a child there is very strange. You have to request permission to have your birth control removed, which seems like birther propaganda, by the way. Like, that seems like propaganda. If you want to break that down, it, it they're like... This whole episode, it comes off as like a, you better have kids while you still can. Because it could be really hard, and then it'll ruin your relationship. And then you'll be too old, and you might as well die. That's like the vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, you love her a lot, but then you're both gonna die. Condensed. And, uh... Sorry, I distracted myself. I distracted myself... Watching this neighbor who removed his fence, and now he wa- now I can see him from the living room in his backyard, which is dope. Love that. Um, they do have a really cool back of the house, but it is weird how often they are back there, I, which is a thing of people who have less air conditioning. Anyway, yeah, they they request permission to get their. Uh, birth control removed, and then they have a a ticking timer playing on their hub in their living room about how many days left they have to conceive before she's got to put her birth control back in and give someone else a shot. And this is their third time going through this process. And uh, they also announce it to the entire community, apparently. So they go to breakfast in the cafeteria, of course, because it's a commune. Of course, there's a cafeteria. This is something too that like of um, I don't want to call this like futurist. Similar, I think, with nineteen eighty four, but it, dystopian narratives, where it's like, I understand how it's like a slightly scary thing to eat in a cafeteria, like oh no, you have to whisper, you know, oh if we have a fight, everyone will hear it because we're at the cafeteria, you know what I mean, um. But logistically, I think, I don't know that central food production is as 
efficient as your intuitions would lead you to believe. Like a lot of the instant eggs and stuff would go bad because people don't want it from a cafeteria. They'd rather just make it in their own little kitchenette. So, you know what I mean? Like are a bunch of adults. I mean, we've all been like, maybe not all of us, but we've all been like freshmen in college with like only a microwave and like a water kettle thing. And it's annoying. As soon as you can, you go to you want your own like way to cook a meal. <laughs> anyway, so there's little things like that in this show that I'm just like, well, that's stupid. They have computers, but they send messengers on foot down like 150 flights of stairs. Or they'll say things like, it'll take a day to go down there because it's 100 flights of stairs. You know what I mean? It's like 100 stories of stairs. And it's like, do Amer American people would totally believe that, right? Oh, yeah, that's an infinite. But no, I mean, I've gone up. 10 flights of stairs and like, yeah, I don't know. It'll take you two hours to go up a hundred. Anyway, um, where was I? Yeah. Everyone knows they're trying to get pregnant and like, you know, harasses them about it incessantly. And, uh, then the wife starts getting this bug in her ear from a uh, radical that they are, actually controlling who can have a kid and they're just pretending to take you off birth control. And that's true. There were two birth control things and they pretended to take one of them out or whatever. I don't know. There was two of them. So she couldn't get pregnant. So on the very last day of the year they had to conceive, the very last minute, she cuts the extra birth control thing out of her crudely with like a kitchen knife and then waits in like a puddle of blood for her husband to come home and then confronts her like a, a confronts him like a lunatic and then when he runs to go get her medical help from the doctor who has just provenly I mean the wife obviously just proved the the malignance of the doctor in this whole community it was like kind of irrefutable she's holding she's holding the proof in her bloody hand you know what i mean he presses X for doubt and then runs to that doctor. Rosemary's baby style. You know what I mean? And then he, uh, when he comes back, she's not there. But she is in the cafeteria, screaming like a lunatic, having an episode, although she's 100% justified and pretty lucid, all things considered. Um, and she goes, I want to leave. She yells it. And he freaks out, but then, like, doesn't even, he's just like, yep, okay, end of the relationship, bye. And they do this whole, like, sad, sacrificial thing with her. And this is where, the and, the, and I know I've just, like, almost spoiled, oh, I spoiled, ruined the whole show. Well, no, because it's the first episode, firstly, but you see that from the beginning. Too. It's like a, it's because of flashbacks. You see this from the beginning, but th there is um, it's a good thought experiment. Everyone who leaves has cleaned the camera, and there is a camera looking out into the wasteland that is displaying its footage like windows in every room of this place. 
so that they're constantly reminded to be fearful and complacent. They are literally being bred as complacent people, okay? It's a test, right? And so everyone who says they want to leave, they're put in these suits and kicked out. What is this girl? This girl really just came to a full stop to not hit a bird. That's nice. Um, every time someone's kicked out, they're put in these gas mask, hazmat suits and sent out. And they're asked to clean the camera to show the people still in the place how it is a wasteland and to remind them that like you do want to stay in the safety. You were wrong. See? Clean the camera. Show everyone else that you were wrong and uh, you'll save their lives. So there's this whole televised event where everyone like cheers when they clean the cameras, right? Except the wife tells the sheriff before she goes out, she goes, if they are lying and it is nice out there, I will come back and clean the camera so that you know. But if it is a wasteland, I'm just going to walk away. I won't clean the camera. And she goes, also, if I clean the camera, I'm going to go over the hill. I'm going to see what's out there. And then I'm going to come back for you. Right? So she goes out. She cleans the camera. Implying that it is nice. And then she smiles at the guy and starts walking away and then falls over dead. So... To me, it's obvious that the suit is poisoned. They put people in a poisoned suit and then send them out and go, yeah, look, it's poisoned out there. We'll see how many more people it takes to realize this. But it is kind of an interesting thought experiment, I think, that this idea that uh, you can only leave to your death when you're certain against all evidence that... uh, it's not your death. And then you see people doing it and you're just like, oh, whatever. That's fine. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thought experiment. It happens a couple of times in the first two episodes. So, yeah, I would recommend it. Um, also, I should say we had a couple of like chickpea, spinach, um, almond, mozzarella, and just tomato, like all sorts of that kind of stuff, saladized, and then with some wraps. We had them wrapped up. It's very, very good because I finished moving all those rocks. We need to get more rock. Um, All 14 tons I put in the backyard and we could probably still use like as much as we ever wanted. But for what we intended to finish, we could use like two tons more. So close. I'd feel bad about like miscalculating, except that's the maximum that a truck can carry anyway. So when we found that out, we were like, oh, yeah, send that. That's perfect. And then, you know, it wasn't quite perfect, but it was pretty good. Thank you very much. Come again tomorrow.